we're back. It's another week. What's up? Hello. How you doing? I'm a little stressed today. It's nothing new for me. I'm actually feeling pretty good today. Last week was kind of stressful, but I've like gotten over that hump and I'm feeling really good. You said something when you walked in today about a full moon. I don't think we got to finish that conversation. Yeah, that was um, our very first full moon of the year um, was on the 28th, I think, which was last Thursday. And it was a full moon in Leo and Leo um, Leo season is all about like it's the lion, like being proud and brave and courageous. And it was very interesting because I feel like I did something very courageous and I reached out to someone um, and it turned out really good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I like positive outcomes. Yes. Well, today we kind of wanted to dive into the fear of losing control. Yeah. I don't know how we even started talking about this um, idea, but it's very interesting. We've gotten a lot of information and kind of confirmation about ourselves doing this topic. I think the topic came up when we met last Wednesday and I was telling you about watching TV and how I couldn't control my emotions with certain shows. Oh, yeah. And I think that's weird having grown up around television, growing up around the studios with my father and then working in television myself. And for some reason, today's television is very visceral for me. And I don't know if it is for other people out there. So if you guys have that same reaction to certain shows, I'm watching Yellowstone and I'm just having a hard time. I can't watch Handmaid's Tale anymore because it was too close to things I've been through religiously and too close to things I've been through with abuse. And, and I think that's what started it. And I'm like, right. I need to gain control over my ability to watch a TV show or a movie so I can enjoy those things again. And it's just been within the last few years that I haven't been able to do that. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely experienced that same thing, watching um, something and it if you've experienced that trauma firsthand, you're already sensitive to it. But I do think like the TV and the shows nowadays are more um, visceral. They are more in your face. They cause more um, like a reaction than they used to. And that, I mean, obviously that's the point, but for people like this, it makes it very hard and it's hard to control how we feel when we've gone through something similar. I think it's good too. I like how television has changed because we we still watch old TV shows and the kids have even sat down and, and watched Love Boat with us or something, but it's just such cheesy, horrible TV written more bad, acted bad, shot badly. But then you watch shows today and you watch the 4K and that widescreen, that audio that's just intense, that picture that puts you right in front of where they are. But the the way that they shoot stuff. It's just that they understand so much more. And so they're grabbing you and that's what it should be. You know, a TV filmed, it should be something that takes you out of reality. So you just get a chance to relax. Yeah. To escape reality. We want it to be real and to be thrilling and exciting. It just becomes a problem when you can't differentiate between the emotions or the experiences on the TV and what's happening in real life. And, and it's going to come back to the fear of losing control has a lot to do with perfectionism. Yes. And we can't control something that's inside that screen. Like it was a girl getting beat up by these guys and she's a pretty tough girl. And it was just, oh, it was eating me up. And then the, the boyfriend finally got there and took care of it. And then it was like, oh, yeah. I want a hero like that, you know, yeah. but it was, it was that, that type of thing. But the, the perfectionism side of it, what's that all about? I mean, I think we've talked that about before that we're both perfectionist. Um, for me, being a perfectionist was how I controlled, you know, it was I if I did everything perfectly, I could control the outcome. 
You know, for me, I really was a perfectionist when it came to school, like anatomy. I had to be perfect in anatomy, had to have the best score because I could control that. And I could control how much I studied. I could control how much I applied myself to my education. So I was a real big perfectionist when it came to high school and also like the first couple years of college for sure. That's interesting that you say that because did you try to control me and did you control me as a teacher? Because I'm, I'm now trying to think back to that or was I that mean, not a goal because that's not what you wanted to control? No, I I can't control other people. I, I can never. You can though by questions you ask or things. You can manipulate other people. You cannot control other people. That's understandable. But, I mean, I was... 16, how the fuck did I manipulate you? No, that's why I was asking because I know some students try and I know that as I got older, it was easy to sometimes get the teacher off oh my track. God. Maybe I did manipulate you. Yeah, no, because that, that would <laughs> be fun. Looking back, I'm like, well, I mean, let's. it was a good manipulation because now we have a great way of testing. Yeah, I, I have no problem if that happened. I was just curious if that would ever crossed your mind, but I know that was a long time ago. Yeah, I have no idea. I've tried it tons of times as a college student. To, I don't want to listen to this stuff today. Let's get them off topic because you know certain teachers go off oh, topic. Oh, totally. I mean, people used to intentionally do that to our poli-sci professor because if you could just get him off on a rant, then he would just go and go and go. And then when class is over, he'd be like, oh, we didn't finish this. So, you know what? Let's make this assignment due on Monday instead of Friday so we can finish this. And we're all, hell yeah. You know, because for sure, you can totally manipulate a professor that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, the fear of losing control. Losing control. The fear that if you don't manage to control the outcome of future events, something terrible will happen. So what what does that mean to you? It means I've got to stop looking to the future and I've got to stop trying to change it and just deal with what the, the things that I can deal with now. Totally. Like what is in your power today? What can I control right now? today. I think that's a really good place to start because I've mentioned before, I'm a recovering futurizer. I don't know if that's a legit term, but that is something I picked up um, in a eating disorder treatment center is I'm a futurizer. And I think that really relates to the fear of losing control. If I don't know exactly what is going to be happening in my future, how, how can I control it? How can I live with the fact that I have no idea what is going to be happening? And so I would futurize every outcome that could possibly happen. And that led to huge, deep anxiety and panic attacks because I I would give myself a panic attack thinking about something that could happen like three years from now. Like when I lived in Texas, I used to think like, well, what if there's an apocalypse and I'm here and my family's there? How am I going to get to my family? Well, I'd have to figure out how to hotwire a car or I'd have to steal a car. And then you go into this thing and that I would do that every day. And how fast do your thoughts go? So I could have that whole scenario done in my head in five seconds, and then I'm moving on to another scenario, and I work myself up into a big, giant panic attack. And that all comes from my fear of losing control of my own future. The trick is trying to find that balance of knowing that there's future events, that something I do right now is going to influence that future event, but not trying to put an answer to it or not trying to respond for somebody else, especially... Like if I was, when I was teaching a class or when I was actually being a chiropractor, you know, when I was adjusting somebody, would it work? Would it really do what it's supposed to do? But the thing was, as a chiropractor, it wasn't my job to fix the patient. It was my job to teach the patient how to take care of themselves. Once I taught them, they would go home and they're supposed to do their job. Ice, heat, stretch, rest, ibuprofen, whatever it is. Um, Ibuprofen wouldn't work as a chiropractor, but 
I would stress that I didn't do a good enough job and that they were going to come back and blame me. And that happened a bunch too, or they did come back and blame me. I don't know if I, you know, put it out there for them to be able to do that. But even if they did, it should have come back. And I would ask them, did you do this? Did you do that? And they said they didn't do it. And I still would, I still would take it on. And so then that would just perpetuate that fear of control. I would try to control more. And then, you know, stress levels just out of the ceiling. And then right. if I felt like I did a bad job, I'd have to wait till they came in the next time to apologize to them and come to find out everything was just fine. Right. And you've been ruminating about that whole time thinking, well, I've got to apologize then because I didn't stress enough that they have to do this and this and this. And we can't control people. And so you're sitting there thinking, well, I have to tell them this so they get better because it's my job to fix them. It's not your job to fix them. It's your job. You just said it, it was your job to to help them fix themselves. But when you have a fear of losing control, that becomes just like that that idea is non-existent. You are in control and you have to be able to control everyone. Whether that's fixing people for you or for me it was like making sure that I was going to be okay. Your fear of losing control can be in um, multiple things. You can It can manifest in different ways. One of the ways it can manifest is OCD, which I have... Um, a, I don't I don't know how to explain it. Like, I don't want to say a small form of OCD or like a big form, but I have a type of OCD where I am compelled to do certain things. One thing I am compelled to do is, and I think this might be a common one, is you have to um, like go back to your door and make sure it's locked. So I have to go to, so I have a front door and a back door. I have to go to both doors three times, both doors three times, so six times. So I have to go to the back door and I'll lock it and then I'll go to the front door and then I'll like go brush my teeth and then I'll go back to the back door. And the second time I'll make sure the porch light is on and I always block my doors. And so I'll block my doors on the inside. And then later on the third time, I have to jiggle the handle. Even though I know I've already locked it twice and I just saw myself lock it again a third time, I have to jiggle the handle to see that it's locked. I have like, I can't control it. I have to do it. And if I don't do it, then I stress about it. And that is OCD. You are compelled to do something and it causes serious anxiety if you don't do it or you don't do it like that number of times. So interesting. Does it delay your ability to, not delay, does it, does it hamper your ability to do things? Because really when you talk about that, it's getting to bed on time or getting to bed now? I mean, I know that I'm going to do it, so I make sure that I'm going to do it. So you do plan for it now? Yeah, 100%. Always. You're, it's funny, you, you smile too, but that's... I, I it's like weird, it. but like I know I do it and I'm like, it's I'm okay with it. It's like a little OCD thing because it's it doesn't make me any different than anyone else. I just like want to make sure that these doors are locked and I have a compulsion to jiggle the handle the third time, but I can't jiggle the handle the first or second time because then it like ruins the whole thing. You have to start over? No, it just like fucks it up because if I do it, if I jiggle the handle on the second time that I've ruined the routine, I don't know. I don't do it. So I don't know what I would do. I just have to jiggle it on the third time. What, what's the control mechanism in that? Um, what do you mean? Why, why is that controlling? Why would that be the fear of control? Because, you know, I don't know. That's a really good question. I think for me, it's I'm making sure that I'm controlling the safetyness in my house. You know, I can't control what other people do. I can't control someone trying to break in. 
but I can three times make sure my doors are locked, the porch lights are on, and that I've jiggled the handle and blocked the door. You know, that's my control on the inside to make sure, oh my God, <laughs> to, like that's my controlling to like prevent a future event that I can't control. And yet you could pass that on to your son, but you don't. No, I mean, like, I don't say, hey, I'm going to jiggle. I'm going to jiggle the handle on the third time. Like, he doesn't he doesn't know I go around watching or locking the doors three times. He doesn't watch me do that. By that time, he's in bed anyway, you know, because the doors are always locked, always. So I already know no matter what, my door is locked. But I still have to go around three times at night. But he's already in his bed asleep for like 30 minutes. So are there any other things that you've noticed that you have compulsion on? Um, that you're trying to control specifically, though. Well, another one, it has to do with, like, pairs. So when I'm driving, this has, I've done this my entire life. I can never not remember doing this. So in California, when I lived there, there's so many billboards. Like, there's billboards a lot here in Utah. But if you drive on any freeway or interstate or anything in California, there's billboards every two seconds. And anytime there's a phone number, I have to pair the phone numbers, even though I know it's going to be an odd number at the end, um, because they always do like four, three, three. Um, or I guess sometimes I'll put like a one. So not always, but I have to pair them. So one example we were talking about a few minutes ago before the podcast is Sonobello. That's a really big billboard here. And I know that's four pairs with one extra letter. So it's S-O is a pair and O is a pair. So I do that till the end of the word. And then however many pairs there are, I don't know. I just have to do that. I have to count and I hate it when there's a leftover. So like Zona Bello, there's four pairs and then one more. But there's like other billboards that I love counting because they're always even. Like the phone numbers will be even. The website will be even. I hate it when they do www dot because sometimes I have to like count the dot as a pair because I don't want to leave it unpaired. So I don't know, weird stuff like that. I have never thought about WWW being unpaired. And as soon as you said that, it did kind of grate on my soul. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't think that I understood it before when we talked, but I, I do get that. I do understand that where you look at things and it's a balanced thing. Yes. It's about like an even homeostasis, you know, like it has to be I don't know. Like we're both doing this like straight line with our hands. It has to be like a, a, an even scale. I don't know. And that's, and that's back to that control. Yeah. Is that when we come into a situation, so some of mine might be when I'm, I've gone away from being that real uh, friend to everybody, going to everything, doing everything, being the life of the party to just being quiet because I didn't realize I was trying to control what was going on to make sure that everybody was having a good time. Oh my God. Yes. And so yes. now I don't want to do that. I don't like to be that person, but then I start to feel guilty and I go back through that cycle. And it's because again, I've lost that control of maybe my life, but thinking that I lost control of what was happening there. Yeah. That's very interesting. I like that you said it's like a cycle or you go back because how, I thought this was very interesting. How OCD works is it starts with an obsession or a thought. Something happens. So like for me, when I see a billboard and I think there's letters there, I need to pair those letters. And then the anxiety is if I don't pair those letters, I'm never going to know how many pairs there are. So then it turns into compulsion. I have to count those letters and then you pair those letters and then it's okay. I know there's four pairs and one letter. That's a relief. But then it's the next billboard and it's like, oh my God, letters that's how it starts it really is like a cycle you go through obsession to anxiety to compulsion to relief 
So uh, think about that with relationships and stuff. I mean, I've been married for 27 years, so it's maybe not the same as somebody who's out there in the dating world and Single stuff. 2021. Y'all, just side note, I went on a virtual date last week and it was so interesting. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was interesting to hear about that, especially not having dated in a long time. How does somebody like you go to a party and want to meet somebody when there's certain <laughs> things that you know is gonna come up in your head? Um, I have no idea. First of all, I am codependent on my child. I'm not really, I say that in a joking way, but I am very overproductive, legit. So I like will not go out unless I know the babysitter. Like for years, I can't just like call someone up and be like, hey, can you watch my kid? I just, I can't do that. So I don't go to parties. Plus this is COVID world. Like we should not be going to parties. Um, I have no idea how to answer that question, honestly. I mean, I have way less OCD than I did a few years ago because I have come to acceptance that there are events and people and you know you can't control people I can't control external events only thing I can't control is my internal world and so I can control how I react to things I can control um my thoughts kind of you know but you can't control other people so if I go to a party oh my gosh I do have an example so I went to a party it was like a Halloween party um like 2019. Actually, I guess it was um, not a Halloween party, but like a week before Halloween. And we were playing a card game, but there was like nine of us and only five wanted to play the card game. And it really bugged me that it was like five and four. And so I was like really trying to get someone to come over and play. So there were six people playing the game because it just would have worked better. But I don't know if that would count as like OCD. You know what I mean? But what about control? What about the fear of losing control? I mean, I have social anxiety, but that does um, count on the, or I don't want to say count, but that is attached to the OCD spectrum. So there's a spectrum of disorders that are related to OCD, but they don't technically fall under OCD, which listen to this. So one of them is the very first one they list is body dysmorphia. Check. The second one is eating disorders, anorexia, nervosa, bulimia, um, binging, and I am a recovering anorexic check another one was like social phobia check <laughs> so i was like well shit i really do have like I, i'm on the ocd spectrum and i have ocd um but yeah social phobia is a fear or like it is attached to the ocd spectrum and i think i definitely get social phobia or social anxiety but that is also its own um like diagnosis is social anxiety or i guess what is it agoraphobia is like the fear of crowds yeah, so it can change. It can change up what's happening with you and whether or not you're having a good time. And then, and to me, that's losing control. If I came with a purpose, then it didn't happen. Then all of a sudden, I've ruined everything. So um, I was going to Texas Roadhouse with my friend because it was her birthday. And at that time, I didn't realize that I had anorexia or that I was trying to control um, anything. But I, I, and I had no idea I had this fear of losing control. And I had no idea I had anxiety or depression. Like, I just was so lost and so confused. I was probably 14 at the time. And there was four of us in total. And they are just beautiful girls. And I 
was very self-conscious. I had low self-esteem. And so the only way I could control the situation enough to have a good time was to limit the food that I put in my body because I couldn't control what they were going to say. And I was really nervous about the things that I was going to say. And the only way I really could get through the anxiety of that whole situation, that anxiety of the social situation was to control what I could put in my body. So that was like my fear of losing control in that situation was the the unhealthy coping mechanism that I chose was to control the amount of food I put in that in my body, which obviously you're not having a good time. <laughs> you're not having a good time if you're worried about how much food you're going to put in your body or if you're worried about whether or not everyone else is having a good time or if you have to be the life of the party or you fear losing control of the people there. Like that is terrifying and it causes so much anxiety. And that is where that obsessive compulsive disorder spectrum or the OCD comes in. So, so let's go back a few years ago, okay. especially when, when we were in school together, you were the life of the party at the school, right? Because you were out in front with your friends at the basketball games, banging on the drums. See, you say that, but I did not feel that way. Okay. So now my question is, when you went home, especially from a basketball game on a Friday night or whatever night we played, Tuesdays and Thursdays, did you just crash for yeah, days yeah, or yeah. crash for hours or how, how was it? What did you do the next day? And the reason why I'm saying this, cause this is what's changed in my life, but I want to hear about yours first. What did you do the next day? Because you would come back the next day and be like going, Oh my gosh, you and Camilla just had the place rocking last yeah. night. You guys had us going. We, it was just awesome. Um, I don't know. So another thing with OCD is like symmetry or like we both said balance. So like if I was very social at a game the next day, I could not allow myself to be as social because you have to, I don't, it makes absolutely no sense. But if you said OCD, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's like a level of for everything. And if I was very social, like at a game and I was sitting on the front row, then the next day I probably would not raise my hand to answer any questions to bring my social homeostasis back. Like it makes no sense, but that is what OCD is. Like you have this compulsion that you cannot control. And my compulsion was, okay, well I did, I spoke a lot last night or I was really social. So today I have to bring it, I have to reel it in. Does that make sense? Yeah, but is, was that a, is that a protection mechanism? Is that I'm burned out? I've, I'm out of adrenaline? It's, I mean, I had to bring my homeostasis. I had to bring back my social. So like, it's like if there's a scale, you know, you have to bring the scale to be even. You can't have um, too much social on one day and then not enough social. And so if I did that, the only way to even it out would to be like the same. Does that make sense? Yeah, but that sounds like to me that you were you found a way to correct the imbalance back then. Right. That's OCD. I'm controlling because it's not, it's not an actual imbalance. There's nothing wrong with being more social one day and not social the next day. Like you could just feel differently and that's human. But do you see where how my brain thinks? But I had to control it. Yeah, I I don't I don't I don't see it that way until you just said that there. I was thinking that there there needs to be that balance and and then that that's a good thing. I'm I'm putting a, right. a virtue on it. Yeah, no, and it's not. I know. Yeah, <laughs> don't put a virtue on it. No, don't do that. Yeah, so my life has been always the life of the party, friends with everybody. I always joke around, you know, because the boys' bathroom has rules you don't talk at the urinal and always say i got a friend at every urinal you know because it just it just doesn't matter but as time has gone on i've never understood what it was like to be 
an introvert and how much work it takes to be an extrovert as an introvert. But I'm thinking that all these years that I was a really an introvert and I was just trying really hard to make sure everybody was happy. And now I'm so burned out. You're an introvert who was people pleasing. You had to make sure everyone was a okay, even if you put them before you. Yes. And that was so tiring. And that's, I mean, I spent almost a year and a half in the house, never leaving it. Talk about agoraphobia. And I just, I just, I had, don't, I don't have it. And the last week was pretty busy with stuff. And I, I mean, it's Monday, so I'm supposed to be fresh and new. It's Monday. It's, it's this new first of the week. I'm dead. I, this week is, I just need to relax from last week hey. and just chill and do what I would like to do. Yeah. And that's okay. If you are blah on Monday, like there's no rule that says you have to be fresh. You know what I mean? Like that is what society is like Monday. New week, positive attitude, blah. But you know what? You could wake up Monday and be like, you know what? Fuck Monday. I don't feel good today. We're going to have a great podcast, but then I'm probably going to feel like shit later because I'm just not feeling good. That's okay because you're human. Yeah, I'm going to So Delicious today because I, to to, I have to go pick up uh, some some video. Come I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be right by your house, so just follow me. I'll buy you a cookie. Oh, my God. Okay. Um. Yeah, so that's, that's again, oh, my gosh. So as, as I watch you and not understanding that things are going on, I'm just, I'm going through my head, just yes. watching some of those basketball games there. It's very fresh in my mind because it was such an exciting thing to watch and, and thinking, oh my gosh, well, losing control. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. That was me being so loud and social at those games was a form of control for me because not everyone showed up to the games. You know, there was like a good um, consistent group of us who came to every um, game. Well, some of us, I mean, I had a crush on like half the basketball teams. Let's be real. That's probably why I was there. But I mean, a lot of the other students were there just because it's fun to be around and to have that positive energy. So a good consistent group of us would just keep showing up. And that was like something I could control. I could control their um, their school spirit, their happiness, how much they yelled. Like that was me and Camilla. Like we'd be banging those drums. We'd be doing those cheers. We'd be standing up. You know, we'd, we'd be running up and down the side. I mean, Coach Martinez used to like yell at us all the time. <laughs> and we'd be like, fuck you. Like we're doing school spirit. And that was something I could control. Whereas during the school day when the, the whole student body is there and there's how many amazing individuals, you can't control how much social interaction you get from other people. But at the game, it was like, I know I'm going to get social interaction. So that I just thought of that. That was like one way I controlled my um, my social situation in high school was the basketball games. Yeah, that's that's fun. I think you even got in trouble with the refs a couple of times, too. Oh, yeah, I did. Close. 100%. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, going back to it again with the, the fear, the control, what it does to your body. That's what I keep thinking about. The, the draining of your body when you look at just locking the doors, maybe not so much with that, but thinking back to the situations of, of not eating specifically. And then as soon as you get anxiety, anxiety driven, your hormones are going crazy. You start to deplete yourself of the nutrients it needs. I was going to say one thing it does with your body is like, if you have um, a fear of one of the compulsions is like harming other people. And so people will like leave work to go home to make sure they turn the stove off the stove off. That's like a huge compulsion or like wake up in the middle of the night and be like, I'm going to turn the coffee off. And so that fucks up your body. Yeah. The, the body takes the, the body takes its toll. Yeah. 
and, and, and that's my body has taken that toll and I'm having to try to figure out how to give up control, but keep control, how to get balance back in that homeostasis of the body. So the body works properly. So I don't drop dead of a heart attack or stroke or just of mental fatigue. And I look at the young lady in front of me and it's like, okay, what are you doing? How are you going to make sure that you're safe? How are you going to survive? How are you going to get rid of fear of anxiety? How are you going to help with your control? How are you going to help with your OCD? Well, so I wouldn't say, you said it just a second ago, how do I give up control? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue with you a little bit on that. I don't think you should give up any control. I think you personally, for me, I didn't give up any control. I came to an understanding of the things I could control because I spent years trying to control an apocalypse. Like, there, what am I going to do about an apocalypse? Absolutely fucking nothing. I can't do nothing. I can't do anything. I'm one person. I cannot control an apocalypse. But what I can control is how prepared I am if an apocalypse were to happen. You know, but I can only prepare for the type of apocalypse that I prepare for. You know, you can't, I don't think anyone was preparing for COVID pandemic. You're thinking I can prepare, I can get my flu shot, I can take my vitamins, I can exercise, I can have a social community to support me. And then COVID happens and you can't, you don't have that social community anymore. You, um, we didn't have a vaccine for COVID in the beginning. You know, all of these things, you can't control that. But what you can control is you and your internal world. And that's it. Like, I, I can't control my five-year-old. I think it's a big thing for parents to think I have to control my child. You know, I have to do this. I can't control him. If he throws a fit in Walmart, I can't control that. What I can control is my reaction to his tantrum in Walmart. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And, and that's, we both read an article, the same article, and we'll, we'll put it in the, in the show notes, but trying to cross the street. Do you remember that story? So, so you're trying to cross the street. And when we look at the street, are we going to cross it? Or are we going to be so scared that a truck or car is coming that we're not going to cross it? So we, we look to make sure it's okay to cross the street. When we see that there's no truck coming, we cross the street. Well, there's some of us might think, but a truck still might come. Yeah. But a truck still might come. I'm not going to cross the street because a truck still might come. Or they might not stop. They might just go right through that red light, even though I still have 10 seconds left. They might be in a hurry or um, they might not be paying attention. So I should probably just not cross here. I'll wait till the next the next block to cross. Right. And that's, so it stops you. Yeah. That, that fear that fear can take over. I mean, that's that's such a, I don't know, simple. A simple and, example. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's even sometimes that fear of losing control becomes life or death. Well, right. I mean, I was reading um, in this article or maybe another article um, about the OCD is that you can feel so compelled to do something that like the example they gave was, um, driving home from work to turn the stove off, even though, you know, you turned it off before you left. Like you didn't even use the stove, but you're at work and you're thinking, Oh my God, what if the stove is on? And you have to leave and go home. And that, that fear is completely controlling your life. And think about what it's doing to your body if you don't actually go do that, if you don't get that tiny relief, what is that doing to your body? Me, as I sit here rubbing a knot in my side from the stress, and that is, I'm stressing about things I can't control, you know? And I think that's really common, stressing about things you can't control just because this is the world we live in. But learning how to accept that I can't control certain things and being like, okay, this sucks, but I'm kind of okay with it. Because if you don't have to 
um, control it, then it's almost relief. Like, okay, you know what? That is not my responsibility to control the other drivers on the road. It's not my responsibility. But I can control how I drive. I can use my turn signal even if they don't, you know? Welcome to Utah. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. I would lay awake at night for hours trying to think of how to fix what I said or fix what I did, whether it was the chiropractic office or especially when I was principal at the school, hour upon hour of what I would say or how I would say it differently. Or And you never you never go back and redo it. And you just spend all that time thinking, if I could have just controlled that situation or if I had done this better, but you can't control how they're gonna respond and you can't control if you know, if you go back and say this to them and you spent hours in your mind thinking, oh, well, I'm going to say this. And they're going to respond like this and everything's going to be okay. And you planned it. And then you do get the chance to say, hey, blah, blah, blah. And they don't respond the way you anticipated. And it's like, well, fuck. Now I have to I have to obsess over this again tonight. Great. Or why did I waste so much time? And then it's time to beat up again. Yeah. The mental the mental anguish. Um, yeah. It's a never-ending cycle. It's like that Ferris wheel from your dream. It just keeps going, going, going around. It's like having a time machine. And you think that if I go to the future and I could change the future to make it so I can control it better, then everything will work out. But then I don't realize that I tried to change the future. Which changes the future. Doctor Who taught us this. Yeah, it changes the now. (laughs) Yeah. Doctor Who taught us this. We should know better. Time to watch... uh, Time to watch some uh, Amy Pond. Yes. My favorite. Amelia. Is that what it was? Amelia? Amelia Pond. He calls oh. her Amy. Yeah. Oh, is that? Okay. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen it because it's not on anything. Ruminating, and you'd said that before, that's that's the big thing. Is And it, the rumination for me comes at nighttime, and then it becomes the lack of sleep, and yeah. then it becomes definitely where I'm going to try and control more of the day to make sure that everything goes good so that I don't, I don't freak out in front of people. Yes. And then I go home and then it starts over again. Yes. That's the obsession part of the obsession. Compulsive disorder. That's like the really beginning is you start obsessing over something. So if you can identify, I think this is really where you begin to, um, I don't want to say accept OCD or accept that you don't have control, but you start to understand more if you can identify, okay, I'm I'm ruminating on this thought. I'm obsessing over this thought. You know, ask yourself, what can I really do about this situation? What is in my power to do about this situation? Because as human beings, we are powerful individuals. We have power with our words. We have power with how we use our body. And we have power to stop a train of thought. We can't all, we can't control the thoughts that come into our mind. But we can say, hey, you know what? That feels like an obsessive thought or I know that's an obsessive thought and I do not need to act on that thought. You said something there that's going to help me out again. That when I start having those thoughts, those ruminating thoughts that are over and over again, I've got great support around me. I've got my kids, two kids here at home and I've got I've got Twyla, I've got you when we come on Monday and I can just say I'm having these thoughts and this is the thought that I'm in. I'm in this continual loop right now. Can you help me to know if it's something I need to stress about, worry about, or can I just let this go? Because sometimes I don't know if I need to do that. And it's something I need to open up more and get out of my head. That's why I started writing all these lyrics for songs to get some of these things out of my head that have been stuck in there for so long. And so I think, you know, for when I start having those thoughts over and over again, I'm going to open up. I'm going to say, hey, This is this has been going on for hours. 
can you help me understand? Because my therapist is always saying, check in with your body and stuff. Well, sometimes I don't know what I'm supposed to check in. It's time to, time to use the people around me that want to help and say, help me, help me understand. Is this a, is this a normal thought with air quotes? Cause there's no yeah. such thing as normal. Is this a thought that I need to keep festering on? Do I need to fix this? Is this a really a problem or is this something that I'm making a bigger deal over? And I think somebody else coming in can say, no, I think, I think you handled the situation, right? Or no, maybe, maybe we could, or you could handle the situation differently, or maybe I can help you handle the situation. Yeah. Another thing I was just thinking about is, I don't know what it's called. I know there's um, like a term for this, but when you have a train of thought or you're um, doing like you have, you do an action you can do another physical action to kind of counteract it. So um, the example I'm thinking of is if you're playing um, like a game and you're getting heated, like let's say Monopoly, and you're getting heated and everyone's in an argument. Um, I think this is actually Kristen Bell who does this. They will be, they'll just do like a little arm motion, like A-okay, and they'll say something. And they make everyone do it because you actually have to physically get out of whatever your thought is and then you have to say something. So you you can't just think, I'm still angry. You have to say, hey, it's a-okay, you know, and do something. And it literally stops that, that thought process. So that's another thing you could do. Like, maybe not, I want to say a trigger word, but I don't know if that would be it. Like a, a code word, a special word, whatever it would be. Or a phrase or something that you can do paired with an action to help you get out of those thoughts. I mean, that sounds drastic, but like if you are ruminating at night, you're laying in bed, maybe you can just like shake your legs or put your arms over your head and just say, hey, I'm okay. You know, it's just something to stop that that thought process and bring you back to, you know what, I can't control what happened, but I can control that I'm okay right now. Yeah, no, that's, that's good advice because they're, I like that breaking it through because it takes more than just breaking the thought by a thought just doesn't right. work, but changing the action, doing something different because it does, it does pull us away from whatever's happening there. There just always seems to be two sides. There's that mental and there's that physical, Yeah, you know? And so it's, that's just something we have to, we have to look at. One thing I do is like, if I'm getting dressed in the morning and as um, someone who is recovering from an eating disorder and body dysmorphia, if I start having negative thoughts about my body or if I'm brushing my teeth and I start noticing blemishes on my skin because I'm on my cycle or something like that, I will just play a song. And like the two songs I play right now are um, Queen by Jessie J and then Hold My Hand by Jess Glynn. I don't know if that's right. Um, but I'll just play those songs and I will move to the music and I will sing those words because again, I'm doing that. I'm doing something verbally and I'm doing something physically to get myself out of that thought process. So if you're like me and you have those mornings where you're getting dressed and you're just like, well, you know, I don't feel the best today. Make yourself feel better. Put on your favorite song. And I think every woman should hear this song Queen by Jessie J. It's just so good and just makes you love who you are as a woman. So feminine, so beautiful. Side note. So we're, we're sitting here talking. We're trying to be as honest as possible about what's going on in our lives. We come from different generations. I don't want people thinking that we're making this up, but this is really what our lives are about. These are things that we struggle with daily. And these are things that we've kept some of these things we've kept secret for a long time, but I don't want anybody out there thinking they're alone. 
And so we are going to bring out everything we can about ourselves and try and help others out there realize that we're okay, that we're normal, even though I don't like that word. Normality is nowhere to be found on this earth. But I know with my brain, I need to sometimes find out that there's other people normal like me, which is everybody. And so I, I don't want to get lost that we're just, you know, either reading something or thinking about somebody else. This is our life. This is our experience. And, and we want you to know that you're not alone. Right. I think the biggest social change comes from being vulnerable. One thing we do in our culture is sleep things under the rug. You know, like, don't worry about it. If you don't talk about it, just, you know, work on it on your own. But when you are vulnerable, it does. It lets people know that they're not alone because I spent years, you know, wondering if I was the only one who controlled what they were eating or who was really like overly um, sensitive to my own breathing or how many times I moved my body in class like that. And to know that that is part of OCD or that that is, again, air quotes, normal. I like to say instead of normal is that I'm human. And that there is no scale or category that says this is what a human does. This is what a human is. You are a human and humans are continuing to evolve and adapt. And so understand that you are a superhero. You are evolving. You are adapting and you are changing and living in this uncertain, uncontrollable, no predictability world. And that is so amazing. So cool. And we, we come here to be vulnerable and to talk about the things that are going on in our lives, not only just to help each other and to give us something to look forward to and to do every week, but to, you know, spread awareness and let you know that you are not alone and that there is a community here to support you. Thanks for listening today, guys. I challenge you to think, what do you have power over today? What can you control? Remember, be happy. Damn it. So are you the type that in class? You wouldn't sniffle because you were afraid to disturb somebody during the test? I would not sharpen my pencil. I would, would not cough. I like would get a red face. I was like, <gasps> like choking to death. But if I coughed when it was silent, that would be, oh my God, the death. The death. See, and I thought I was the only one that had that problem. I did not like making noise. I didn't want to disturb anybody else. I wouldn't. If my chair made a noise or if I dropped my pencil... And yeah, definitely never sharpening pencil, never sniff, no, never No, or cough. like if someone got up to throw something away... And you're like, oh, well, okay, they did it. So it's okay if I do it. But if you do it right after them, then it looks like you were waiting for someone else to throw it away. And so you have to wait like a certain amount of time so it doesn't look like you're following them. It oh just my. looks like a natural reaction. Same with going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, you can't. If someone else goes, you have to wait until like after they come back. Because if you go, then it looks like you were waiting. God forbid anyone know you have to pee. You have to wait a minute. So if someone else comes back from the bathroom, you have to wait and act like you don't have to pee. And then you get up and just like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. Oh, my God. Being in high school was so terrible. I tried to control like literally everything. But I did the same thing in college, though. I I was the same way. I I didn't want to get up and walk out of the classroom in the middle of class because I didn't want to disturb. Even though I I may have needed to do something. If I did, I was just, I was not embarrassed, but I was embarrassed. I mean, really wasn't embarrassed. I was like, what am I doing? Why can't I control myself? Ha. Ha. Exactly. It's like that fear. It's just it's debilitating for sure. Especially if you have to pee and you can't get up. Like you're just like, I can't, I can't go. 
you have to wait because you don't want to disturb anyone in the class because for some reason your bladder is like less important than disturbing other people. That makes no sense, but that is totally how your mind works. I drive the car and I worry about everybody around me, make sure they're all safe. So my blinker goes on before I touch my brakes so that they know that I'm going to hit my brakes next. I make sure that I'm, I'm watching when I go over. I make sure that I'm not in the left lane and the number one, number two lane. I stay to the right because those are passing lanes. I'm always worried about what everybody yeah. else is doing around me. Yeah. It's, it's, it just Cause we're people pleasers. <laughs> but, but it's so, I mean, oh, it's so tiring. Yes. And like you're constantly, especially if you're driving, like going back to that example, when you're worried about other people on the road or you're like, I have to stay in this lane because this is, um, this is the driving lane and the left lane is the passing lane. And if I'm in the left lane passing, then the person behind me isn't going to be able to pass. And what if they need to get in front of me because blah, 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 you yeah. know, and then it constantly going. And then I'll be sitting there like clenching, knowing that I need to get over to get off. But I'm like, but maybe they need to get over, you know, so then you just sit there and wait. And then the you can like swerve over. Yeah. yeah and then, then you become unsafe at times too. I don't do that anymore. I've like come to the point where I'm just like, okay, you know what? I know I need to get over. You're just going to have to chill. I'm, I, I learned to drive in LA, so I'm, I'm pretty aggressive, but I still worry about everybody else around me. 